0: Hey, and welcome to episode 41 of the Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast. I'm your host, hosty, producer host, McCosterson. Hope you all had a good week. Hope you enjoyed last week's episode. We've got more good stuff coming to you this week. We've got a couple of ride reports coming up. Let's start out the show with the ride reports for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, August, something or other something or other and the other day probably the 26th 27th the 28th that sounds right so what do i do oh friday after work what everybody in america does friday after work clocked out right get out go home jump on your motorcycle and decide it's time to do some skills testing wait is that not what you guys did oh that's what i did I wanted to get out and kind of relive my days. I haven't been to a writer course since I got my license. Um, I don't know how long it's been, but uh, I went to a few writer schools beforehand, and I guess I've had my actual license for 10 years, even though I've been writing a little bit longer than that. And, uh, you know, before I even got my license, I went and got my, did a couple classes and then moved to LA, did, a, did another class. And, um, it's been a while since I done them, but you know, I, I like to stay on top of training. I like to stay on top of whatever it is. I haven't taken the new Lee Park stuff, but, um, you know, if it has something to do with like riding skills and stuff like that, I think it's important to stay on top of it. Let's face it, some of us get out there and ride only once every other weekend, some of us ride all the time, so there's like a varying degree of skillage. So since they passed lane splitting here, well, they didn't pass it. It was always legal. But since they have legislated lane splitting here in California, I thought, you know what? It's uh, I'm very good at that and I'm really good at riding in general. But what about my slow speed stuff? And what about, you know, your basic skill stuff, looking ahead, all the stuff that you kind of take for granted, but you're not 100% sure if you're doing it still. So I decided to do that. That's kind of what I want to open the show with this week is getting back to basics and lane splitting and whatever the hell else I did over the weekend. So yeah, to to start things off, let's get on something I said I was never going to talk about again. Let's just talk about it every day now for the rest of our lives, and that's lane splitting. If you listen to a plethora of uh, podcasts out there about motorcycling. Everybody seems to be talking about it. I've seen it on a bunch of blogs and news sites and this and that. California legalizes lane splitting. Here's the thing. Uh, I just listened last week to Stock is for Squares or Stock versus Squares, depending on uh, what title you like better. And the Libertarian report that um, they give is always a little treat. And I totally agree with what they said on there. And then I also listened to Adventure Rider Radio, and one of the guys that teaches um, safety, they were they had an interview with him, and he said basically the same thing. And what it is is, what they both said and what they both had in common was, uh, okay, go California, we made such a big deal about legalizing lane splitting, legalizing in quotations. Because on both podcasts, and I'm sure a hundred other that have talked about it that I just don't, I'm not aware of, or other blog posts or whatnot... It never was illegal. Now, now it's just legislated. That, that's what they mean by it's legal. It's been legislated. So, is it illegal to go throw a rock into a pond as hard as you can? No, it is not. But if someone says, "Hey, so and so threw a rock into this pond and it killed a duck or like a priceless koi fish," and eh, let's make it illegal to throw rocks in this state, or perhaps like you know whatever state, for whatever reason, has a problem with rocks clogging their state drainage, natural drainage, whatever, they're going to say, okay, it's illegal to throw rocks. So at that point, throwing rocks becomes legislated. Or you can only throw rocks between this, this hour and this hour and this hour. So something that was, that was perfectly legal in the first place gets legislated. And by being legislated, sometimes you become more illegal than legal. And that may sound totally counterintuitive and stupid, but lane splitting was always legal in California. If it's not blatantly and patently illegal, then it is legal. Just like I said, throwing a rock into a pond is not illegal. Therefore, it is legal unless your state or your city or wherever you're at has said, you can't do this. So... Lane splitting never was illegal in California. And a lot of people say it was tolerated. It was codified to the extent of, you know, there were, there were guidelines. Somebody made a fuss about guidelines. I mean, that's the whole reason that it got quote legalized is because, you know, that the CHP had guidelines about how to do it safely. And that's all they were was guidelines and some, person whether or not they were a motorcyclist or not i don't know what said hey due to this technicality you can't make rules you are not a a legislative body you are the enforcing body so therefore you have to you can't make a law basically Uh, you're not a legislative branch you are you know the enforcement branch or you you enforce the laws don't make them you get what i'm saying right i I will quit beating this dead horse with the with the dead stick But, uh, so, what it was is that it had to get legalized for them to legally, like, make guidelines. And they don't want to just go off half-cocked and do something. So, they took it out of the books. It was in the handbook for a while. It was on the DMV website for a while. It was on the CHP website for a while. And when all that trolling came around, uh, they basically took it off of everywhere. And I think even Californians were wondering, like, dude, am I gonna get busted for doing this? Like this is weird that I don't see it anymore. But I'm a new rider. And old riders were like, you know, come on, man. You know, don't don't worry, it's legal. But everybody else is like, Well, I don't know, is it? Well that's the thing. If it's not illegal, it is legal. Now I mentioned a while back, I think three or four episodes ago that I saw a Harley Davidson freewheeler splitting lanes and there was room. Hell, freewheelers aren't much wider than a Honda Goldwing, a Victory Vision, or any other Harley-Davidson bagger, or probably any bagger, for that matter. Vulcan, Vaqueros, all that shit, right? And uh, so basically, the freewheelers aren't that much bigger, and I'm sure the trikes, the FLHTUCG, whatever the hell they are, the the trike is not bigger. Now, a Can-Am Spider and a Slingshot, those things are much wider. A Can-Am is not quite as wide as a car, but a slingshot definitely is. And I'm not 100% sure how those things are regulated. I think if it's a reverse trike where you have one wheel in the back, they kind of consider it a motorcycle because you have one drive wheel, right? But now that lane splitting is has become uh, legislated, it is now illegal in some ways to do some things. And that is that freewheeler would get busted because I think the guidelines specifically say two wheels pointed in one, you know, traveling in the direction of traffic, whatever their guidelines are going to say, I guarantee you it's going to say two wheels. It's so funny that states have to say both wheels must remain in contact with the ground. You know, they have to be very specific and totally anal because they're covering their... Ba- they, they have to basically write down the letter of the law that's why i guess we basically call it the letter of the law is because the spirit of the law and the letter of the law are two different things so when you're writing out something you know you want to do a lot of research and they did their due diligence and that and that's all great but then when you're writing down the actual laws you have to be specific because there there are people will always find a loophole now the loophole in lane splitting was the it never said uh, two wheels. It implied two wheels. It said motorcycles, but is a trike a motorcycle or a modified motorcycle that's made into a trike or a sidecar? A motorcycle with a sidecar. You know, they, they never said those things couldn't split. Uh, specifically, and I think now it does. And it, it was kind of dumb to split on a trike or a car with motorcycle with a sidecar. But technically, if there was enough room, I guess you know. In the past, it would not have been illegal. And now it is. So by legislating something, you've you've kind of made something that never was illegal, sort of illegal. You've made a certain—I mean, you've definitely made it—you've um, clarified it, that's for sure. So while I'm really happy that California has legalized it, so to speak, even though it was legal to begin with, I guess I'm happy that they've legislated it because now other states where it is illegal— may be able to use it and it's just like riding a motorcycle if you don't want to do it don't do it i don't always split every single time i ride there's no need to but sometimes when it's hot as fuck or when traffic is crazy and i am like definitely kind of i'm more scared to get rear ended by somebody than i am being in between lanes so i mean you know sharing lanes with cars so and the cars in California respect that and they give you your space. And I've only been impeded once. And I think before lane splitting was legislated, there was an actual law on the books that you shall not impede a motorcyclist in any way. And it's a federal law that all motorcycles can ride in the carpool lanes because they recognize that, you know, it's freeing up a space in the lanes for cars and motorcycles can ride. Four, four, you know, two up side by side and take up uh, four four motorcycles can basically fit in the space of one car if you're riding tight, like formation. I don't, you know, that's not, um, I don't condone that. And I guess I don't think anybody would totally condone that. But let's just say you're sitting in traffic somewhere. It's the same thing. You can fit basically eight people in the space of four or five people of a car. So, yeah, I don't know. Take that for what it's worth. Maybe that's not 100% true what I just said, because you'd have to be riding nuts to butts with the people in front of you and, like, wheel to wheel. But at the same time, I think you get what I'm saying. Like, motorcycles, you can fit a lot more people in a lot less space, especially if there's, like, only two people in a carpool lane and two people on a motorcycle. You're taking up a much smaller space. So that's why people, like, realize, hey, motorcycles are less congestive than other traffic and this and that. And, but it's not always necessary to split and I don't always split. And, uh, I think if you're not comfortable with being in between lanes, you shouldn't split. And, and then really until your state is familiar with that, um, if you ever were to legislate it, then I think it would be, you know, uh, uh, kind of freaky at first because people probably wouldn't be expecting it, you know? So what, for whatever it's worth, I just wanted to mention that lane splitting is, more illegal now <laughs> than it was before because now there's definitely going to be some rules and guidelines written down where before there was just some guidelines and now there's going to be actual like letter for letter legislation on you can do this you cannot do this the only good part about that is that if there's a if there's an accident and it's totally not your fault you can have some recourse where before i think it was like no uh, you know i'm not sure how Uh, Insurance companies handled it. I've seen a lot of videos of cars going over to get in the carpool lane and hitting uh, motorcyclists. But a lot of those, they were crossing over double yellows. So the car would have got a ticket anyway. I mean, the car would have been at fault anyway. And even if they weren't crossing over um, double yellows, you should check your mirrors for a car, right, to be there if you're going to get over to that lane. So when you do that, you should also make sure there's like no vehicles and if a motorcycle's coming up behind you, you should probably be able to see down the lane, like in your mirror, right? That somebody's coming up. I mean, how else are you going to see a car next to you unless you looked? So it's kind of silly, but, uh, you know, for what it's worth, that's that. Just a friendly reminder, I guess, to be careful what you wish for, because now I see that it's legislated, even though it was never illegal. Right. Let's move on. So what brought me to that whole ramble there was the fact that I went out and did some skills testing this weekend and I not literally get tested by anybody except for myself. I wanted to make sure that I was up to par with my former training from, you know, 10, 15 years ago, whatever it was the last time I actually went to like a riding class. And I was thinking about it the other day as I'm cruising, enjoying, you know, a ride, a brisk ride through the summer air what would happen i started to think about what would happen if this ha- what if this scenario arose what would happen if this scenario arose what would i remember all the stuff that i was trained to do a long time ago but that i have never even had happened in the last like 10 15 years right so i was thinking about all the slow speed maneuvers i've seen a lot of debris in the road lately and i th- immediately my brain said swerve first break second and i was like where the heck did i even learn that and then i kind of started to think did i learn that in rider training because i've never had to but i just whenever i see debris that that always clicks into my brain like uh, instantaneous like if hey if that were to be you know here or something if car hits that over here real fast you better like swerve first and then break and i Like, I have a problem, I think, with target fixation, but I'm not 100% sure because I've never uh, looked at something and then rode straight into it. And I know when I was not a rider, I did that until I started autocrossing. And then it's just a matter of you always are looking somewhere else. You're never looking straight in front of you. And the the second you do, of course, you're going to drive there, right? So I think kind of racing and getting into autocrossing and um just basically like skilled driving at that point kind of changed my my brain set. And so it was an easy transition to start riding. But the muscle memory and the maneuvers are still there. So I figured I need to practice. I haven't done slaloms on a motorcycle for I don't know how long, right? And I haven't done low speed figure eights or like, you know, when you take your test here in California, you have to ride down a really skinny lane and then do a little keyhole, like a circle, And then come back out without touching the lines or anything like that. And when I took my first rider course, I remember, well, my second, my first rider course in LA. I remember uh, taking the class and it was a, it was a weekend class, half classroom, half riding skills. Actually, we spent a lot of time out on the range, but so when we were riding at the end of the last day, the teachers handing out classes or, you know, we took a little skills test that is basically a little bit more rigorous than the one they give you at the DMV. And so at the end of the day, he, I forget there was about 15 or 20 people in my class. Everybody's getting called out and getting our score and this and that. And he saved mine till last. And he's like, all right, these guys, everybody passed, blah, 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 except for this guy. And he points to me and he calls me up and he's like, you, he's like, I'm sorry to tell you. And I was just like, shit, I'm so used to being such a shitty guy at everything. Right. And he's like, you got a hundred, you passed every test with flying color. So I was like, woo, I was elated. Right. And yeah, so exciting. And I think three months later I got ran over by a car <laughs> or not three months, but let me think about this. Probably three years later I got ran over by a car and it was awesome. So yeah, I was just like, you know, for, for a guy that even got like a hundred percent out of, 20 well there was two classes or three classes um because there was three or two or three or four instructors and everybody had about 20 people this is a pretty big class i'm guessing yeah there was about eighty eighty 80 people in it and um yeah between 60 and 80 people over one weekend and i was the only guy that got 100 i was pretty stoked out of that and you know we had to do some tiny figure eights in this little box and slaloms and like stop without looking rely on your um you know, your field, not your field of vision, your um, peripheral vision. And, you know, always looking ahead whenever you turn, you know, they wanted us, like, literally, if we were going to be doing a U-turn, they wanted us to be looking over our shoulder, basically, like, you could you better be able to look at your ass while you're riding forward, because that's basically what they wanted us to do. And it was awesome because your, your, your bike and body followed and you didn't, you know, there's nothing in front of you. What are you going to hit? So you really don't need to be looking in front of your bike. And the, the more you look at the ground, the wider your turns are going to be. So you just kind of relied on your instinct to look where you wanted to go and the, your bike and body would just start following. And I remember that first day on the, the range as we're going around and the guy, the instructor showing us how to do it he was i think he was on a a yamaha 250 like dirt bike and so those things sit up quite high and he's dragging peg as he's turning and the other instructor is like oh man that show off so when we're going through these turns they're like you know what when you're entering the turn look to the apex right as you enter i want you looking out of the turn to where you're going like you need to know where you're going when you're coming in and Dude, I was such a r- crazy feeling. We, we were just to do laps and there was about five of us doing laps. And then, you know, each, we were each doing a different skill. And I think they had like five or six of us doing the laps while the other people were doing the other skills. And they just let us run in this little group circle. And it was the best feeling, just leaning over, not even caring where the bike was, just seeing where you were going and just feeling the G-forces and inertia and, like, um, basically the the tire, you know, you you keep the throttle on and it kind of sucks you into the ground, you know, where if you let off or, like break or do anything else, it'll totally unsettle you. And they, they encourage us the first time they said, I want you to like, let off a little bit or break a little bit. And you see, you know, and it stands the bike up or it like makes the bike dive. If you roll off, you know, you kind of, you start to low side and stuff. So he said, uh, you know, you keep that, on keep it consistent do this and this and this and everything will click and we all did it and it was the best feeling just kind of picking up speed i mean we we were not supposed to get out of like first gear or second gear or something but we were like or at least i was at the top of second probably could have shifted into third easily um coming around the corners and it was just like a little oval that we were driving on the range so i thought about it it's been a long time since I did that stuff and I don't know anymore how I would feel. I mean, I kind of look forward nowadays, although I do look straight ahead to make sure there's nobody coming. I mean, driving on the road is totally different than driving in a safe environment, right? And that's why a lot of my friends that race do not ride on the street anymore. And uh, that's a whole nother thing. I mean, we'll get to that end of the show, but basically, you know, I was kind of thinking about it and to, to looking around for other cars and keeping my head on a swivel, uh, I don't necessarily look through the turns anymore. Sometimes I begin my turn and then I'm looking forward to make sure like nobody's coming out of a driveway or something before I make it all the way through the intersections. Here in California, the intersections can be big because we have like three or four lanes on each side. So you're turning across three or four lanes of traffic. Uh, sometimes you have that douche nozzle that's going to try and turn right even though there's traffic turning left you know so it just it depends and so i was thinking about that and slow speed turns and braking well with not looking down and being able to do a slalom without looking that's another thing we had to practice you know he said rely on your peripheral vision i want you to look down you can't you're not looking at this cone, but I guarantee that your peripheral vision can see it. And I want you to run over this cone and we couldn't do it. Like, you know, our brains told us to stop before we hit it. And he said, that's the power of your brain. And like, you know, trusting yourself and this and that. So I thought about it and I thought, all these things that I've kind of been out of practice, I should try. So I went out into my driveway and basically just started doing, Little figure eights in my driveway, and I have a long driveway. So they started out lengthwise, running figure eights, and by a few minutes, I I was doing side to side figure eights. My driveways, I'm gonna guess maybe 20 feet wide, and so basically, I I could do a figure eight in like this 20, foot box. I don't know. My and my motorcycle's six feet, so I mean, my motorcycles probably double that would be like 12 feet something like that so i mean i if i were to if i were to turn lock to lock and like not move i'm guessing 12 feet would be the <laughs> tightest circle i could do but um you know i was riding forward a little bit turning coming back and like got it down to within 20 feet i'm not 100 percent sure what my radius was, but I had feet to spare on each side. And I thought, man, this is really fun doing. And the next thing I want to do is, you know, set up a couple like super, super slow speed slaloms and little boxes to ride through and kind of sort of do like a driveway gym kinda. And I love coming to stop signs and not putting my feet down and I've learned to balance my bike pretty good. And that kind of comes in to the mountain bike side. You know, you get good on a bicycle, you're probably going to be pretty good on a motorcycle And so, yeah, just all this crazy stuff that I haven't done in a long time. I just thought, you know, getting back into just practicing it was fun, you know, because I can do it and it makes you that much more confident that like, you know, I could probably be a ride instructor if I wanted to, because I'm, I'm actually really good at this stuff, even though it's stuff I haven't practiced in like 10 years doing super tight circles, you know, I'm guessing it was like a 15 foot circle or so you know fifteen or sixteen foot circle uh that I was doing figure eights in and you know for my bike being uh, at least half of you know almost half of that I thought that was pretty good you know uh I was only rolling forward like a foot before turning again so I thought that's cool um the slalom stuff was really fun the boxes is sort of like Jim Connor sort of stuff so yeah it, at any rate I was just you know kind of got back to that and uh, other stuff i i do that i took away from rider training like t clocks and all that stuff that's something else i wanted to talk about cuz i kind of took av- I t- kind of took that for granted a couple weeks ago and i really you know shouldn't have and i you know didn't have an accident or anything but i got riding down the street and i was like holy shit what what a dummy like what am i think what am i doing i don't even know when all this happened but um after the vets charity ride a couple about three weeks ago now I'm guessing that was I take off from a stop sign and my uh, adjuster nut and bolt at the cable was just on my, on my brake cable was just like flapping around. Yeah. I have an old bike with the cable brakes. And, um, so yeah, what, uh, and then I have my clutch too. And I was thinking I didn't adjust these. I didn't adjust my clutch or anything like that. Uh, you know, I don't know when the last time I messed with these is, and I I just couldn't remember. And the nut had jiggled loose. I'm lucky that the bolt was still threaded into the the lever perch, you know, because that if that could have backed out. Like I could have just been pulling the pulling the brake, and nothing would have happened to the clutch. I mean, I would have found that out before I got to the end of the driveway, but still, just like rattling all over, and was checking the nut. Some of the some of my bolts were loose and stuff, like on my chassis. And I just thought, when did this happen? The last time I really gave my bike a good once-over was before I went off-roading. Uh, I don't even know how long ago that was. And then I rode home about 75 miles after that. And then I've been on rides ever since. And so I'm not 100% sure if stuff started jiggling loose then and has just like continued to jiggle loose over the past couple months. Because that was like a month ago that I did that that was the weekend of born free, which was, I want to say the end of June or like the beginning of July. So all of July and August, like I've just been rattling stuff loose here and there and like losing hard, (laughs) loosening up hardware. So I really, even though I checked, you know, my oil right before that, I changed my air filter right before that. Um, I've even taken my carb off since then. And maybe that's when like, I don't know, maybe that's when, something else got loosened up. I have no idea, but, uh, you know, I've taken my carb off and like messed with it since then. Cause I have a few couple episodes you heard me talking about. Um, I had some like carb weird stuff happening. So yeah, I, I don't know. It is really interesting. The thing that really, you know, I, I tightened everything up, checked all levels, did all this and that. And the thing that's really been bugging me lately is that my bike has been running rich, really rich, Uh, and I can't figure it out. I put a thicker air filter on there, I think. And I've been running it for a while, but for whatever reason it really, uh, I don't know if I sprayed a bunch of like, uh, you know, K and N cleaner on it or something like this. And I didn't do that before. Like I didn't oil it really that much before or what has happened, but I'm kind of thinking that I have, not much airflow coming through, but I have a lot of gas coming in. And so it's creating like a rich situation by that crazy air filter that's on there. I'm I, I'm not 100% sure. So, but I did blow my carb out and, you know, made sure air was flowing through everything and checked the float level was fine, wasn't flooding the float bowl and all that great stuff, right? So I don't know what this rich thing is, but it's it even backfired the other day when I was going to start it. So I was like, what the hell? And then the weirdest thing happened... Uh well I went to industry. Let's let's move on from Friday to Saturday, okay? So this is the ride report for Saturday. Nice segue. Thanks, Jafonie Jabroni, for phoning that one in. But anyway, so Saturday happens and I go down to the Industry Expo Center. And uh on my way home from industry, the bike getting on the freeway like bogged out once. And I thought, Oh no, that I just run out of gas, which is really weird because my bike usually gets around, you know, depending on how I drive 70 to 80 miles a gallon. And that's how I went to Vegas from Los Angeles on like one tank. I think it was one tank that I, I filled up halfway. And, uh, I think, that's how I basically got around a lot of places without ever having to stop for gas. You know, I fill up like once a month if I'm just going to be riding around town. So the weird thing is, is that on the way back from industry, it bogged right when I got on the freeway. Like I had just run out of gas. And that's only happened to me one time in a truck that I it was autocrossing that belonged to a buddy. It was like a one of the Chevy 1500 series, like NASCAR type trucks. And if you didn't have a certain amount of Gas in the tank when you stomped on the pedal, the gas would slosh away from the sending unit and you would like bog for a sec until you know the gas sloshed back forward in the tank and got picked up. You didn't have, you know, it wasn't like a full on racing fuel cell in there or that wouldn't have happened. But at any rate, yeah, there was no baffling to keep that from happening in this tank. And that's what that's when you got on it and the gas slushed away, that's what would happen. Okay, so it was a fuel situation. And that's how it felt here. It felt like right when I got on the gas on the freeway, it just cut out and then all of a sudden it came back. So I rode so cautiously home and I thought I had like more than a half a tank when I went to industry industry from my house is like 25 minutes. So it can't be more than 25 miles, right? If you drive a mile a minute, it's not even 25 miles. I think it's like 12 miles or something, 15 miles. I, I don't know. But at any rate, it's not very far from anywhere in basically L.A. So I knew I had way more than enough because I checked my tank right when I left and it was at least half tank. That should be 70 miles right there. So even if it was double, you know, 30, let's say 30, 35 miles, I should have been able to get there and back on what I had in the tank. So, yeah, on the way, you know, did that and then it was fine after that. And then I just started thinking, that is so weird. It's like another carb issue. I'm not 100% what's going on. I have a vacuum carb... That's got like a. There's no off on it. It's always on. So you're either on in like the prime position or on in the on position. And I I had it right. Um, I don't know why it cut out like it was a fuel, which made me worry that it was a CDI. You know what I mean? Like I'm worried if the the uh, coils going bad or something because it was fine all the way till I got home. Well, all the way till I almost got home, and then I was uh, I turned a corner and started coming up the street and full throttle. I think both of these happened in full throttle situations and all of a sudden it cut out and I like almost went over the handlebars cause it was like a jet turning a jet ski off, right? Letting off the throttle on jet ski. It was just uh full throttle away from the, the traffic light. And then all of a sudden, it, it did like a three, just about that fast, uh, you know, burn, burn. Burr, burr, like that. And every time it gave a little bit of gas and then shut off, I like shot forward because I was like, you know, inertia was, I was at full throttle when it cut. And so inertia had me like moving forward on the bike and then it jerked and cut off again. And it was like riding a Bucking Bronco for like half a second. And I thought, what the hell? It didn't happen. It idled fine at stoplights. Everything was totally fine. So I'm not 100% sure if it's a fuel thing or. A spark thing at this point and i'm pretty sure that it is par- probably a fuel thing given the richness factor and everything else that i've been experiencing and the, the backfiring and all that shit like it's just it's running rich for some reason and i think it's because um previously i wasn't you know this filter that i have was not as thick or whatever I, they don't make oe filters anymore for this old ass piece of shit bike so I had to like go Tony Hawk and uh, do a ten eighty and make one. But the thing is, I've been running it for a long time, but I think I didn't oil. I think I oiled it way more than normal and I think it's making it run rich. And now it's like doing all sorts of shitty shit to it. So I don't know. I may have to go through this thing and uh, get it done. So at any rate, let's quit talking about all my misfortunes and, and all that stuff and talk about flat tracking at industry expo center. Well, hey, there's nothing better than flat track, right? There's nothing better than the smell of two-stroke race gas and the sound of maddening motorcycles that are mostly all hand-built or at least customized somewhat for the track. And I have to say that Industry Expo Center, I've never been there, and... It was a delight, actually. the The uh, venue is is awesome, and the the fact that they have uh, speedway they usually race speedway there, so you can kind of get an idea of the track. It's not uh, a big flat track track; it's a smaller speedway track, and so it's indoors. Uh, you know the whole the whole venue is just so amazing. That whole property plopped down in the middle of industry. If you're familiar with anywhere in L.A. I mean, you know, industry is just one of those places where you think you've seen all of industry and then suddenly you go to a place like this and it's just one of those hidden gems in the middle of, like, one of the weirdest, like, uh, industrialized suburbs. The city is literally called industry. So you can kind of get an idea of what it feels like to drive through there. And so, yeah, I've never been and, and just really, really amazing place and amazing people there. Like I said, most of these bikes are either custom-made or somewhat modified for track use. Got some really good pictures. I'll probably post some of those up before the show goes out so you guys get a little bit excited for the show. But yeah, uh, got a chance to talk to one of the coolest builders in SoCal, in my opinion. Somebody whose bikes, uh, ever since I saw this bike called Sneak Attack a few years ago, I had just been hooked on their designs and stuff like that. And a really cool guy formed a race team recently and uh, has some of these other people. You may have heard me mention them a thousand times, Rusty Butcher and the um, Guardado brothers. And apparently they're racing for this guy now. And I got a chance to talk to him right before the flag track races began. Saturday at the Expo Center. Here he is. here at uh, the Hell on Wheels hot August nights with uh, Scotty T-Bone Jones from Noise Cycles. How you doing, Scott? I'm good, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. And I just had a couple questions for you today regarding uh, basically how did you get into building bikes and before we get into all your whole creative side, I, I kind of want to go back into the past if, if that's a dangerous place, I don't know, but how did you get your start in
1: motorcycling? um just basically growing up you know my dad was always into motorcycles i've he's had me on his bike you know with a leather belt strapped around us both riding since i was two so um and my mom you know they split up my mom kind of kept it going i you know spent most of my childhood years with her and uh you know, she would always just take me to dealerships when we had to, when we passed one, like, hey, let's go check it out. And I'm like, you know, hawk heaven for me. Like, you know, it's all stock motorcycles, but I thought it was the best thing on earth. Um, just always, you know, always, always hearing one while we're driving, coming up, you know, and I, you know, get the chills when I was little, you know, just thought it was the most, the best thing ever, you know. Um, got my first dirt bike. In sixth grade, actually, uh, KX80, and just I lived out in the country, so it was, you know, we had some land, built a little track behind the house, going through the woods, you know, racing cars through fields and whatnot, um, you know, pissing off all the farmers. Um, but yeah, and you know, I, I kept it going, and, and I rode a Honda Rebel 250 to high school. Um, it, you know, I tried to change it up as much as possible to make it, like, outlaw, I guess. It went in my eyes. <laughs> right. Took all the Honda stickers off, mufflers off, you know, just... Yep, I was that, you know... I had a skull painted on my helmet. <laughs> like, I was that that guy in high school, you know. But, um... I mean, I, I took a little break, um... And really, until I moved to California from... North Carolina is really when it, I caught fire of it again. Um, as soon as I first got here, you know, I moved straight to Costa Mesa all by myself. I came out here alone just in search of like happiness, I think, coming from a small town and just always thinking I needed more stimulation in life instead of, uh, you know, I was, I was straight edge and still am, but um, you know, Very few. They didn't even know what that is. They, you know, they didn't know how to eat. I'm gonna
0: hide that six pack that I brought for the interview.
1: (laughs) No, no. This is I do it for myself, family, and friends only. Like nobody else. But um, you know, I came and I would go to Jesse's and hang out upstairs in the old building at West Coast Choppers, and he let me sit there and just watch him, and I just, you know, just geek out and like, oh my god, this is. And from then on, I was like. Maybe this is what I was supposed to do. Now, I was a carpenter straight out of high school, um, building houses and, uh, you know, interior, exterior. So I was, like, eventually I was coming home from work out here in California building houses, and I lived near Chica Custom Cycles in Huntington Beach. Uh, Yeah, look him up if you don't know him. He's, like, one of the... Japanese pioneer for California, I guess. Like, uh, he was one of the first Japanese guys here building custom motorcycles. Now I know know who you're talking about. And I would go there and hang out at night um, after work just for a couple hours before I had to head home. But eventually he gave me a job, and I quit carpentry. And, you know, I worked for... It was $1,500 a month for the first three months. It was like a probation period. But we worked eight to eight every day, Monday through Saturday, and one Sunday for the swap meet. So I was making like $3. But I thought I was like, you know, my, my wife at the time dropped all my clothes off at the at the front door one night. She's like, I can't do this anymore. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> like, yeah, I, was, I want motorcycles in my life. Like, yeah, I was gonna ask, how
0: did you go from being a carpenter where it's like, we could say that it's like uh,
1: you know, back then I was making 20 25 dollars and running like a little crew to three dollars and something, just th- this is it was my heart, it's what my heart was saying, like this is what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and I feel that way, I still feel that way. You know, you look at my tent, the logo on top uh says 75, like that's the year I was born. I feel like this is what I was. This was my calling, and just, um, just express myself in this way, and and you know again do this thing, and just you know. Yeah, exactly. It's I, I I
0: feel the same sort of thing. It's like when I'm at work, it's like I could be doing something right now that I want to do, rather than sitting here doing something that I like, but it's not necessarily. What my heart's telling me to do. I'm lucky enough that I work with motorcycles at work. It kind of keeps my head in the game, but it's definitely not like, it's like working at a parts counter or something. It's not like riding and building and all that stuff that you can do when you get home, you know? Yeah, yeah. I have,
1: you know, I have a motorcycle day job also. Um, I went back to that just to, you know, gotta look out for my family first and foremost. Um, And uh, yeah, I like at lunch and breaks. You know, I'm working on noise stuff, you know. Right. Right. I am i either thinking or trying to sneak apart and in the workshop, you know?
0: Yeah. That kinda of leads into the next question I had was is it kind of hard to be creative, so creative, but you know, also have to realize that you gotta like work within some sort of, you know, parameters somehow to kinda of do the stuff that you know, so that on the weekends you can do what you wanna do.
1: Yeah, I you know I have, I've always had a hard time. Like, you know, I've, I've done the tour. I've worked at every bike shop in California, I feel like. And, um, I've always, I've always tried to help each, each boss owner of the shop and just try to point them in direction. I feel like, or just trying to help them build their business and make it as good. That's why I started my own. I'm like, I'm just going to try this on my own. Like, you know, um, so and then when you're working for somebody you're trying not to give them all your ideas because yeah you want to save some for you but it's hard because that's just the way the way i'm built and and i'm always trying to do stuff good and i i I don't want to dumb myself down like i'm always like no that's not done you got to do you got to go more you got to go more
0: yeah, you're, you're, you don't want to half-ass anything, but at the same time, it's like, you kind of want to. Re- I see where you can
1: want to reserve some of it for your own ideas, but yeah, you don't ever want to go halfway on anything. I mean, it's the same with building my bikes. Like, you know, I'm. Uh, I can't. I could never charge what I put into a lot of these bikes I build. And that's my own fault. I'm, I'm my worst own enemy. But, you know, the customer says, I got this much money to spend. I'm like, yeah, I can do it. But when I start getting into it and I start making it my bike almost, I, I can't stop three quarters of the way through. I'm like, well, you ain't got no more money. So the ass end of this bike is going to look like dog shit, you know? No, I have to finish it. Then I spend all of my profit. But at the same time, that bike's going to get a lot of attention. It's going to, because I went. I went the level it needed to go instead of stopping or just doing, just doing half-ass. Like,
0: hey, apparently these guys don't know we're trying to record here.
1: <laughs> no, yeah,
0: that's what I do wrong then, is I, uh, I, I usually, like, stop about $85 in and then just use what I got laying around. <laughs> so, uh, how many bikes have you built, uh, as noise cycles?
1: Shit, sure. I think it's like 10 or 11. Um, I ran noise cycles. You know, noise cycles started as a blog. Go tell Wiggins to cut that shit. <laughs> Come on, Wiggins. <laughs> um, I started the blog when I worked at West Coast. Um, I just, you know, that was back in the blog spot days. And it was just a way of me expressing myself and like what I'm into and you know, like country stuff, and you know I like black people, so yeah, that's just where I'm from, I'm from the south, and yeah. I'm not one of the racist ones over there. So, <laughs> um, so I built bikes from back then, you know, in my one-car garage. As far as as a full-time job, I think it was like 10 or 11. Um, I, I, it was like three or four year. Um, I had the shop for three and a half years. I still have it don't get me wrong I just uh we just needed a bigger house so I, I closed up I closed up where it was like a off you know not at the house but I we just bought a house so I could be home more with the kids and you got three little ones homework and you know you you got to look out for those guys uh I'm a workaholic um so my wife has to kind of reel me back in um but yeah, I gotta make sure those kids are are going down the right road, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, same. I, I understand that. I would, I would work all night if I could. And it's like that's the guy part of my brain, and then the dad kicks in. And it's like I would much rather hang with the kids right now, and they are gonna come first in the next few years. So yeah, I, I could can totally respect that. It's actually some ace parenting. Yeah.
1: Well, I you know I'm 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 not one to follow in that category, but you know I try my best and. Um, yeah it, it's fun it's a lot of work you know it's you know i'm trying to juggle all these different things like trying to be a dad trying to be a husband trying to have a nice home for them um and also trying to blow minds with motorcycles you know like that's my main i want to blow minds and i want them to be and, and be with me you know <laughs> it's okay. We we'll,
0: we'll have a stern talking with him on tape. <laughs> uh, so one of the other things I wanted to ask was last time I ran into you at the at Glen Helen, I think it was the one of the steeplechases, you were just on your way to Bali. Oh yeah.
1: And uh, I know how you've world traveled a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, that's another thing is, you know, I've I've traveled pretty good for for In my eyes, being nobody really, just a bike builder, um, I've been very blessed and uh, had the honor of like being part of some of the best shows, actually the best shows, motorcycle shows. You know, Japan, Bali, Switzerland, Malaysia. um, Where else have I been? Uh, North North Carolina. Carolina. Amazing. Um, Yeah, Bali was. Bali was a game changer for sure. Um, and I took my wife there. That was the first time I've taken her out of the country on a bike event. And she was... She just thinks I'm going for fun all, all the time. Like, she just thinks this, oh, you just want to go for fun. And I'm like, well, yeah. But it, I have to work, you know? Like, it's not... So she really... She got a first... She got to see it for herself, you know? Like whoa, like, you're nonstop, you know, and these, you know, these, it's crazy, like, like, are you, you really want my autograph? Like, I'm that guy. Like, really? Like, so, I'm very blessed to go to those places, and I, you know, I would never be able to without motorcycles in my life, and, and doing the things I've accomplished and, and keep doing, like, whoa. This
0: is like the world's crummiest podcast, so I'm sorry that <laughs> it's not, but it's about motorcycles and being yeah, creative, yeah. That's so that's that's, what, all, that's all that matters. Uh, what what place have you gone to that you would, you would definitely go back, motorcycle related or not, but maybe to ride, if you,
1: like you've been there and you wanna go back and ride now or be part of their scene? We're, we're going back to Bali at Christmas. Um, you know, me and my wife, we have three kids, so it was like our first, like legit, vacation and that that place just it made her like me again i feel like like she's like i'm like whoa you're in love with me again like this is rad but um yeah we we really had a good time down there and and the people were amazing you know we rode scooters we rode motorcycles granted that was probably the craziest (laughs) time i've ever had on the road um, Are there like no laws? It's just real relaxed and everybody trusts everybody. So you know, it's just merge, merge, merge. And for me, wrong way, wrong. You're going the wrong way. <laughs> you know, like. But it's fun. Like it was. It was beautiful. Um, like the show that we went to was off the charts. Um, um, it was just, it's a really, really neat place. And I, I suggest anybody. It's expensive to get there, but once you get there, it's like dirt cheap. Yeah. That's interesting. I was going to ask, how's the motorcycle? It's like something I would have never guessed for like a motorcycle scene, you know what I mean? They have a really cool scene down there. There's a couple top builders for sure, and a couple crews that like run the thing. And they do it every two years because there's not a lot of builders. So they need. Two years for people to get new stuff for the next show. Um, yes, everybody, you know, it's a it's a wild place. Like they're um, they're Hindu. Um, they believe it. I've never seen a religion like being followed so thoroughly, and and just. But as soon as they pray, they're, they're on it. Like, it's game on, you know? And they they have so much fun down there. And that's I think that's just part of it. Because, you know, my family's a believer also, but we're also real people. Um, we also mess up. We also uh, still try to have a good time, but, you know, always know that our Lord is for me. Right. It's my glue. Put yeah. it that way. Yeah. No, I get it. I'm, from the south
0: too and and it's it's definitely a part of life down there uh do you have any weird this is this is like a weird question do you have any weird collections (laughs) baseball cards shrunken heads architectural relics old crazy bike trophies
1: nos parts whatever it may be um i don't know like not really um i'm a big fan of roosters Um, actual chicken roosters yeah um I'm pretty good, like, in Bali, I got to hold a full, uh, I forget the actual scientific name or, or breed name, but it was all black, skin, feet, tongue, wow. everything was black, um, and it was, it was a, a rooster that guarded the entrance to, they have like little compounds almost, um, family compounds, and it was to guard for black voodoo is guard their entrance to their, their property. So I, you know, they haven't taken it out of the cage in years and I'm like, hey, I want to hold that thing. So um, yeah. if anything, roosters, uh, but no, I'm, I've never been, if I find something cool that uh, I think, you know, I'm not the collector. I'm not, I don't have 30 tanks on my wall. <laughs> I'm like, that's money right there. I'm, I'm selling that that boy. <laughs> eBay, baby. Yeah, yeah, You collect tattoos a little bit. Yeah, um, a lot of this is old. Um, growing up where I did was... I was kind of an outcast, I guess. You know, Pearson's. I grew up in... Uh, originally Raleigh, North Carolina, but I moved to my dad's in high school on the beach, Outer Banks. Like, Kildova Hills where the Wright brothers. Kitty Hawk and all that. So that's where I grew up. And then I moved here. Um, so there, you... The the county wouldn't allow you to have a, you couldn't get a permit for a tattoo shop or a piercing. So we were like, there was like three of us that were like, all right, I'll show you guys. Like, so we would get drifters come through from like Virginia Beach or something. You know, I've got tattoos, couches, kitchens, beds, a back of a school bus converted to a camper. Like, so I have a lot of junk on me, but I was, you know. Well, it's it's kind it's of made motorcycle f- parts now, like, yeah. like uh, I need a tire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks
0: for spending time with us today and talking about motorbikes and all this great stuff. And I really dig the stuff you're doing. Um, I'm glad you're still down to earth. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, thanks for sharing. Is there anything, if anybody wanted to get into motorcycles or just, like, even if it's not building them, but, like, spraying them, drawing them, whatever the heck it is,
1: what is there any tips you have about, you know, following your dream and being creative? Um, Do your thing, I guess. Uh, don't try to follow anybody else. Uh, a lot of people put people down, a lot of other builders or people that ride for, if one person looks a certain way, or, or oh, f the hipsters, or, or that guy's bike is stupid, you know, like just do your thing, what you love, and um, and be yourself, and and um, just work hard. It's it's a lot of work, and you know if, you'll know if you got the right passion for it. You know, if you don't want to give up, and you're like, you know. Um, if you're thinking if you're thinking about it while you're doing your regular job it's probably something you're passionate about yeah I mean if 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 you're like googling motorcycles and (laughs) and all your friends on Instagram are motorcycles um guilty yeah yeah um yeah it's it's definitely I don't suggest it (laughs) especially if you have a family but uh if you if you want to make money it's maybe yeah, not it's the best. Not, there's no money in it unless you are that that guy, that lucky guy uh, you know, Jesse or uh rolling you know, grew up with it and had a a, a good push into it. Um, you know, OCs you know, there's there's ways to make money, you just got to be that lucky guy, you know. And um, and doing the bikes that I build, it's, there's no money in the vintage stuff. That's just straight passion, that's, that's that's straight passion for the love of motorcycles. When you know you're not gonna make money but you still just put every, everything into it. Um, but yeah, um, uh, I'll be building again for Born Free this year. I took two years off, so um, Born Free 9 in June I have a lot of stuff coming up. Um, you know, I've built a little race team. I, my wife's like, you're 41 and started a race career. I'm like, yeah, and it's amazing. Yeah. Like, so far, I'm not hurt. And, um, yeah, we got, like, you know, there's four of us. Um, we do a lot of flat track. Most of the guys do flat track only. I try to do the hill climb, the chases, motocross. Um, uh, I've done ice racing, uh, you know, soda syrup on the concrete. Uh, we just got picked up by Harley-Davidson. So now we're part of the Harley-Davidson hooligan race team, which is pretty rad. Um, I'm going to be building a Street 750 here soon. I just picked it up the other night. Um, yeah, it's, you know, there's... It's just passion. It's just motorcycles. Like I can't get away from it. I've tried. Believe me, I've told. I've told my wife, like I'll. Th- I'll just close everything down now. And she's like, but then you'll resent me. I'm like probably, but um, yes, I will. But uh, you know, you'll, you'll find another be, way. Yeah. You think I'm bad now, like. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um,
0: real quick that's one thing i wanted to ask you about and i I totally forgot about that aspect of it is the racing because i've seen you at the tts uh i've i did delmar a couple times and if i had like a dedicated truck or something i only have one bike so if i have just like some junky old bike oh guaranteed i'd be doing everything but it's a bug that you get and it sounds like you got it and have just
1: gone full bore yeah Yeah, it's you know i actually got it in milwaukee two two years ago on the ice i you know, they go on the ice, it's in February, so the Lake, Lake Michigan's frozen. So they go out there the Sunday after the, after the show and just play, and a couple guys like, hey, take my bike out, I'm like, all right. And that's where it started, like, I've not let go of that since. Yeah. Like, it took me like a year to get a bike. You know, I'm racing all these modern bikes on a 1965 XLCH. I'm slowly, I'm building a Evo together now just so I can keep that vintage and, you know, these guys are beating me out of the corners. I, I can get their asses going in, but they get me coming out. But I'm um, um, building a Street 750. I'm also uh, uh, building a, a Flathead 45 Harley-Davidson to do the tank shift. That's the thing, like, the only bikes I have are gonna be race bikes. That's how much fun it is, yeah. like, Um, I'm doing TROG in October. Uh, Matt Walksler from uh, North Carolina has let me ride his uh, 1924 JD cut down. Um, I'll be doing the Frozen Few in New Jersey. It's like all the early bikes, um, racing around in the woods and the snow. And um, so yeah, it's any, you know, I'm going back in October to Milwaukee to do Flat Out Friday. Uh, That's on the concrete, Dr. Pepper Soda syrup they spray it on the concrete and it, you think no don't do that but it's the it's the sketchiest most fun i've had in a long time um, going back in february for more ice and more flat out friday so yeah i'm and we do a lot of stuff around here like there's it's we've definitely uh we've definitely started the the dirt racing back again dirt track racing you know indian harley are freaking at each other's throats again you know, and, and I really, truly believe it's because of us, this grassroots thing, this hooligan, that's the worst name, but, like, this hooligan thing has, has stirred it up again. You know, Meatball's been doing this forever, and I think it's rad that now it's getting popular again, and, you know, we're showing up at AMA events for the, the intermission show, you know? Who would have ever thought that?
0: Yeah, when you said you had a tank shifter, I was thinking how great it is that groups like Hell on Wheels have been putting on this stuff forever, and now earlier we, you know, I always like make ironically make fun of hipsters. But if it hadn't become like hip and cool again, we,
1: this would be the only opportunity to do this it. The same thing that people are complaining about hipsters. Oh, the cool thing. Yeah, this is the cool thing for sure. Call me a hipster dirt track rider, you know. Um, I can't get enough, and and and. You know, my wife's always. You don't have to win. I'm like, I do have to win. Like, like that's that's what pushes me. Like, you know,
0: it's like building a bike. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it if you didn't want to like get it out there and be yeah, somewhere like near the me top. Building
1: bikes is. I always have to do something that's like a wow factor or like so people stop at my bike instead of just keep passing by in a sea of sissy bars or you know ape hangers. Like, I want somebody to stop at my bike. It's the same thing with this, like, it just, you know, you, you want to win. You want to get that attention. I mean, I, I'm not an attention whore by no means, but I also, I like affirmation. So, so you say. No, I, 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 I like affirmation. I like, I like people coming up and saying, you know, it just we're just here to put on a show and, and and race bikes that aren't supposed to be out there for the most part and and just have fun. Like, this is all fun this is for the fun and for the for the sport and for motorcycles but there's always got to be a winner and that'd be nice if you were there's got to be one and and i'll give it my shot you know um you know i i've definitely accumulated safety gear as i've been racing you know from just a helmet to now like there's body armor underneath all my clothes yeah
0: at, um, at del mar i flipped over somebody and i was like i am so lucky that i had like a back thing on because i felt it hit as i was flipping over and i was like what a dummy you know but a if i didn't have that
1: so who knows what happened yeah my last race i got dumped on my head here actually and it hurt my whole spine everything and i'm like So I have a brand-new Bell helmet this weekend. (laughs) Right on. Well, thanks, Scott, again for hanging out with us and and, uh, telling us what's what. All right. Well, have fun tonight, and hopefully hopefully, uh, we put on a good show for you. All right. All right. Talk to you guys later.
0: Man, what a stand-up guy. He is an original Rebel, (laughs) and uh, I have a feeling he always will be to some extent, but that was Scott T-Bone Jones from Noise Cycles, and if you ever want to check out some really cool stuff, like I said, the bike Sneak Attack is the bike that really banged me over the head and got me into Noise Cycles in the first place. That's like, I think one of the first bikes I heard about where I was like, who is this? Oh my gosh. And yeah, it really inspired me to, you know, what a bike could actually look like, and And still be a Harley Davidson for what it's worth. But anyway, yeah, check him out at noisecycles.com. And like you said, he is a bike builder, a dad, a husband, and all-around stand-up guy that, uh, you know, just puts on a great show. He builds bikes, he races bikes, and he's living the life. So it was really, really fun to sit down and talk with him. And that basically wraps up our ride report for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Whoa. What about Sunday? Well, Sunday, I basically just sat around and played Legos all day with the kids, and that was my Sunday. All right. Talk to you in a few days. Oh, yeah. Happy hump day, baby. Today is Wednesday, uh, August something or other, twenty. 20- 30th? 2030th. That's right. It's the 2030th of August. Uh, thought I'd take this moment to mention a few things to you. Uh, I went ahead and threw up an article on creative-writing.com. Not writing, writing, you fool. Listen to me when I talk to you. Anyway, I threw an article up there about lane splitting just because... Uh, from when I recorded on Sunday until today, there has been like five more podcasts that I heard talking about lane splitting and, uh, just thought I need to throw my hat in the ring again. Every time I hear about it, uh, it's kind of getting to me like scully now where I just roll my eyes and I'm like, okay, done deal, man. This is going to be in the news now for like 50 weeks. Right. But, um, take a long time for this to trickle down. And I thought I'm going to put one more thing up before, um, Really, before I let this go, because now I've been thinking about the. It's not technically illegal, but go read my article; you'll you'll get it. But yeah, the um, we've kind of made it uh, something that was always legal a little bit more. Illegal. Huh? You know what I'm saying? So, anyway, go check that out. Creative writing.com. That's our website. any Anytime you want to go there and look at pictures or old past stories and all of our podcast episodes are up there, as well as links to our Google Plus page and our Tumblr page, I believe, is up there. So, if you, you know, go there for like a one-stop shop for everything. And maybe one of these days I'll put up beard wax and all this other cool stuff that you can buy. There's some flannel, some, uh, waxed cotton headgear. So at any rate, before I start blathering on too much, there's a couple things coming up that I wanted to mention. And, uh, some of them are local to me. Some of them are not. So I'm kind of going to get to the ones that are local to me first uh coming up august 28th which is going to be i guess last weekend Hey, guys, last weekend, Long Beach Swap Meet was bada-bing, bada-boom, so don't go last weekend. But it's coming up again September 25th. That's at Long Beach, uh, what's it called, the Memorial, Lou Davis Memorial Stadium or something like that. Anyway, just go to com, and that's basically what it is. It's just a huge SoCal Cycle Swap Meet. Uh, the other thing that's coming up here pretty soon, October 8th, yeah, we're getting out of, like, August already and we're going to be hitting September here soon so September and October stuff coming up October 8th is going to be the Paris Auto Speedway Half Mile with Temecula Harley Davidson and a couple other other companies coming on board there to support that so that's really cool You heard Scott from Noise Cycles mention in our interview that he's going to be at Trog. That's going to be up at Pismo Beach, Pismo, California, uh, October 15th and 16th. So go check that out. Uh, You can buy tickets. You can go on Facebook.com for sure, I know. And there's probably a website for it, too, that I can find you and stick up in our show notes. But if you go to our Facebook page, go to our events tab, uh, you'll see that there are... you know, a whole link to the whole events up there. So at any rate, yeah, that's happening. That ought to be pretty darn cool. Uh, There's a couple things happening around town here. On September 10th, there's going to be a free screening of a movie. Now, I don't think I linked this to our Creative Writings event page, so I better go ahead and do that uh, before I look like a total idiot. But yeah, there's going to be a free screening of Dream Racer, and I'll get the... Uh, details for that in one second and return them right to your earlobes as soon as I get that up there's October 8th again if you're not going to the Paris Auto Speedway and you happen to be down in San Diego perhaps there's an event called ride <clears throat> ride to the warehouse celebrating San Diego women riders and it's going to be at the La Bodega gallery and you can also go to Facebook and check that out I'm going to put that on our page as well and uh, you know, make that available for you to get there. And that's hosted or, you know, I got it from Trophy Motorcycles. So that's, they're a really cool company down there in San Diego. So something else that's happening on September 23rd, this is pretty important. Um, We have the WIR top 10 bikes and real street drags happening at WIR up in Kakana, Wisconsin. And that's gonna be pretty fun. That's gonna be Friday, uh September twenty third, starting at four. I almost said September twenty-fourth starting at third, but it doesn't make any sense, does it? Uh September seventeenth, working our way back to the the future, is the ninth annual Venice Vintage Motorcycle Rally, and it starts at nine AM. Uh it's hosted by the Venice Vintage Motorcycle Club. They've been doing this now. Uh, as VVMR9 will tell you for the past nine years. Now, the interesting little side story here is that uh, the, I don't know if he's still the president or whatever, but the founder of the club, I guess his name is Shannon. And I actually went and uh, my friend got a bike from him and I went down there and checked it out and checked out his garage and met him. And he was really cool. He's been doing that. He had a little company called SS customs that I knew of way before I even knew about the VVMC. And, that's just about the time that I, yeah, that's just around the time that he started this uh, when I first went down there. So this had probably been going on for a couple of years, but it wasn't like a huge thing. And all of a sudden, boom, it blew up. I think they even had Drea De Mateo from Sons of Grandpa Archie down there um, doing her little thing, helping out with the pinup contest and whatnot. So they have a lot of fun stuff. It's going to meet um, kickstands up. At uh, Abbott Kinney and Venice Boulevard in front of the Stronghold, which I believe is a bar. That's going to be 9 a.m. At 11 a.m., they're going to... uh it says gates open. 11 a.m. is also when the music starts. Um, 1155, greetings and announcements. 12 o'clock, more music. 1 o'clock, vintage bike contest. Uh, music, 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 all the way till six o'clock p.m. Where they have a raffle and a bike g- giveaway. They also have a Miss Venice Vintage 2016 pinup contest. They have a bunch of vendors. Uh, you can enter to win a 1961 Harley XLCH, which crazy, crazily enough, crazily is a good word, by the way, Scott. From Noise Cycles, he has one of those types of bikes too. So, check that out. He's got his uh, great amount of wear and tear out of his. So, if you win that, you can take it to the flat track, take it to the TT, whatever you want to do. So, you might want to check that out. Go to our Facebook page for details. All right, let's work our way backwards even further. Uh, so, the movie I was talking about, Dream Racer, that screening is going to be September 10th at 8 p.m. in Burbank. Uh, I've posted the details up on our creative writing page, so go there if you want to find out more. Um, there's a couple things going on. If you live up in the Pacific Northwest, check out, well, okay, let's start with the furthest one away, the Rattler Run MX. So this is the Cycle Gear Northwest Regional MX Series, the Rattler Run, September 18th, all day. Uh, this is according to the Armor website, which is Pardon me, Arma A H R M A N W dot org for Arma Northwest. And that's the American Historic Racing Motorcycle Association. Sounds like they're gonna have a really, really, really cool Outdoor MX so that should be really fun Seeing all those vintage bikes huck it around Up there That September 18th Go check it out on the Armour website uh, Also happening Right around that time it, Or right around the area in Coeur d'Alene vintage cafe Racer and British bike night next Tuesday September 6th At 6pm Kelly's Irish pub in Coeur d'Alene. so go Check them out and uh, give them a Little cash they'll give you a Beer and uh, that's how it works that's called commerce, buddy. I mean, that's just, you know, that's a thing nowadays. So we started with the ones furthest out because I figured, you know, stuff this weekend, your calendar might already be full. So I'm giving you those further dates right now because this weekend, the Los Angeles Mexican Melee, which is uh counterpart to the TT, which happened a few months ago, which was the taco tour. So this is another, the Mexican Melee is going to be... Uh, 125cc or less they're going to hit up a bunch of uh, Mexican places see the other one was for tacos, taco tour this one's for burritos my friend um, they're going to go to three stops, uh, or it's going to be about 44 miles from northeast LA into San Gabriel Valley uh, and then ending at the Cretans Clubhouse where there's going to be MotoGP on the, on the big screen there actually it's a 13 inch uh, black and white TV, everyone's crowded around it so uh, I don't know, anyway the meetup it's going to be at Wrench Moto at Eagle Rock, so don't be late. They already tell you that it starts at 10, goes to 3, you know? So that ought to be pretty fun. If you got a 125cc, head out to uh, Wrench Moto in Eagle Rock and uh, kickstands up 10 o'clock. Have your taco face on because you're going to eat some taco, you motherfucker. <laughs> one last thing for this ride report and then I shall get out of your hair and let you go on doing what you were doing this week. I've been watching a bunch of videos this week on Harley's and I have to say that Harley Davidson seems to have taken over the Ducati scrambler as the number one preferred bike for the hip generation. (laughs) I won't use the other H word, but uh, let's just call them uh, the young millennial generation. So at any rate, Um, you know, I just, I noticed that a bunch of Harleys have been on Insta fame and, and, um, you know, it doesn't help. They're getting like supremely cool with, like Scott said, this, uh, whole hooligan class happening. And, um, I don't know. I still don't like Harley Davidson's in general. And, uh, this is one more reason is they become the poster child for what not to do if you're a youth. I mean, if you technically, I guess if you are a youth, now's the time to buy a bigger displacement motorcycle. And then as you get older and decrepit, get on that 125, you know what I'm saying? But tends to go the other way around. In this country, you tend to get a bigger bike the older you get. It's like the more pounds you put on, the bigger the motor you get. So at any rate, uh, yeah, lots of videos I've seen lately of people crashing their, you know, it's not a JixaBrah crashing a sweet, Sport bike, it's some uh, guy in a bubble visor falling off his Harley, Uh, just like the one that I just posted up uh, today on our Facebook page. So I I thought uh, this should be kind of a funny thing that insurance companies put now on their. put down on there uh, like a claims form. And if you're, you know, if you're making a claim or something, it should just have this box that says, you know, reason for accident, blah, 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 blah. And then the last box should just be hipster. And they can assume, oh, you were like trying to surf the seat or like you were jumping in the air to kickstart your Harley and, you know, the crank broke off and your leg got gouged or you know whatever or you were doing the rad standing up for no reason you know if you're on a dirt bike you kind of need to stand up you know your legs kind of work as the suspension uh if you're riding your you know your 1200 sportster down the freeway absolutely no reason to stand up on that bad boy and no reason to stand on the tank or stand on the seat but uh, people do it, you know. the The craze was for a little while to ha- be jumping over your bike. You know that was like so last year, and now it's to stand on the seat or the tank and surf it. So yeah, I don't know. They should just have that check mark box for motorcycle claims on the claims form that says like hipster, and you just check it, and they can assume that you were you know either using a selfie stick or like I said, trying to do a seat stand and you fell off. The other thing I want to talk about is some shitty ass Buell custom that I seen floating around bike XF and Twitters and all this stuff. I'm gonna get the details for that in a second when we come back. So hey let me tell you about this Buell that I saw from Revival Cycles. Now I don't want to get it down on any custom builder or any custom bike shop because that's literally what got me into motorcycles was being free to express yourself and build whatever the hell you want. After talking to Scott also at the Flat Track the Hell on Wheels event, I realized, you know, I've been bashing hipsters for, like, brown seats and all that shit. I'm still going to do that. That and their annoyingly obnoxious facial hair and wax cotton jacket shit. Um, But you know what? What it's doing is... Uh, Here's the deal. I I guess that shit is motorcycle shit, okay? It's not necessarily hipster shit. Just because hipsters buy the cool stuff doesn't make everybody that wears that a hipster, right? Uh, I don't know. At any rate, I saw this Buell on BikeXIF, plus tweeted all over the interwebs a thousand times, and it really made me sick because they took a Buell, which looked pretty sweet to begin with, and they cut it down... To the vestiges, basically, of what was a Buell, and what I mean by that was, you know, gone is the, the front end of the Buell, gone was the ZTL of the Buell, basically, they kept the frame and the motor and kind of re- looks like they redid everything else. Now, to me, this thing looks like a silver drumstick with just a little stinky bent uh, shelf coming off the back, and that's because they took off the rear end of the Ulysses, which was, you know, designed to look right with the Ulysses. And it just doesn't. And it's a it's a XB12X, you know, so it's got the 1200 motor. They made a scrambler out of it, so they say. But, you know, a scrambler, the bigger they are, the harder they fall, right? So scrambling where what used to be like a 300, 200, 300, 400cc motor, you know, maybe 500. Everybody's calling it a scrambler nowadays, you know, just put knobby tires on a street bike. And that's not necessarily the case. Now these guys basically made the hipster scrambler with no rear fender. What I don't like about the hipster fender or the hipster scramblers is that, you know, when you're really out in some mud, I actually saw some pictures, I think on Tumblr or Instagram where people are trying to get through mud and they got, dirt all over the back of their wax cotton jacket and I thought dude you guys are dumb why take off the rear fender first of all you know bikes have that on there for rain and for dirt and especially dirt bikes uh it's one thing to roost the dude behind you because you're hauling ass but it's another thing to roost yourself you know what I mean and dig that thing down into some deep sand and stuff and you're gonna have all sorts of stuff going down your collar that you wish you hadn't because you know you're not wearing gear you're wearing like a flannel so yeah that the front end really pissed me off. The fact that they clobbered a uh, you know a tank and threw it on top of the fuel in frame. Uh, I don't know, man. Well, you know, on the Buells, the tank was the airbox, so they they hid the electrics up there to minimize everything. But really, to me, it kind of looked turned out looking like a robot bike or something so, like a toy or something. I don't know. I'm kind of getting away from all these cool pushing the limit scramblers, and it's just because. You know, I'm kind of going back to basics and thoughts of basics on this stuff. Also, after talking to Scott, you know, during our interview, you might have heard me say that I only have one bike. And after seeing some of the stuff there, I decided that I don't have one bike. I have a couple bikes that I could, you know, turn into a a flat tracker. And the reason that this Buell Scrambler quote pisses me off so bad is because at the race, uh, if you saw our uh, feed on facebook you know we put up some pictures there there was a buell there an xb9 or 12 i cannot remember uh what it was but there it was an old lightning and it was flat tracked out and that thing was naked it looked bitchin it didn't look like this silver chicken drumstick that is all over bike xf and nothing against revival cycles they make some pretty cool stuff um, nothing against Buell Ulysses. They're a pretty sweet bike. And this one, they were actually jumping and stuff. So it was actually kind of cool, you know, to see that. But at the same time, you know, you took a, you took a bike and it could have been so much cooler, I guess. I don't know. I think I, there's just things that I don't like about it. Uh, the fact that it looks like it's only half there, you know, it looks like it's missing the back half. You like you took just a little seat tray and slapped it onto the Buell. Cause guess what? That's what you did. So at any rate, I was just not to not to bag on anyone's stuff because, you know, I'm not like a master bike builder or anything myself. So I really don't have room to complain. But I'm just sick and tired of seeing all this stuff floating around that people are just like getting huge boners over. And it's like, I don't know, I think they're getting uglier. Maybe that just means I'm getting older and the stuff I like is, you know. I like retro stuff and vintage stuff that doesn't even work that great. <laughs> so, um, that's the thing. You take it and you make it work and then voila, Bob's your uncle and you're, you're good to go for a while. So I think we're going to get out of here. Um... all right, guys. Well, Hey, welcome to Thursday. This is Thursday, September 1st. I can't believe it's September already. I uh, just want to say the Labor Day is coming up this weekend. Whatever you do, if you go camping, if you go out to the desert, if you go trail riding, you know, whatever you end up doing, have a great and responsible Labor Day. Make it back to us next week so that we can hang out and chat. Uh, I think for the rest of the week today and, uh, you know, the show is going to go out tomorrow. So for the rest of the week, what I'm going to be doing is looking at parts magazines. I'm going to be checking out Sudco. Oh, I love it. It's just, you know. A lot of people look at porn online and porn can be, I guess, a number of things, but my porn is parts magazines. It used to be the Harbor Freight magazines. You know, the jobbers would come in and I'd look at everything and, oh man, this is awesome. This is awesome. And then you start buying stuff and then you just want to like end it. Right. So, that no longer excites me as much as you know pouring over the sudco mags even though i don't even have a bike that half of that stuff applies to so uh yeah they if you need some parts sudco used to be a lot closer they're down in compton now but they used to be right down in like i forget what they were i don't know if it was industry or monterey park or whatever but it used to be like 15 minutes, 20 minutes from here. They're a little bit further now down in Compton, but still, you know, that's one mag that you can just go in there and just go nuts. It's just, it's fun for me just looking at all the stuff that they offer. And, you know, you go in there, when I went down there to to pick up some stuff before, they are so knowledgeable. And so the people that, That work there I believe are like writers and maybe ex-mechanics. I'm not 100% sure or they're just super familiar with their stuff and the applications because they were able to tell me all sorts of crap that I didn't even know uh, about You know, aftermarket parts, what is going to fit. They had like this whole breakdown in their head. Oh yeah, this fits this and this and this. So at any rate, check out Sudco. It's a great uh, publication and it's a good company to buy stuff from. Their stuff is pretty quality. I haven't had a problem with any of the stuff I bought from them. Let's just put it that way. Um, And their reputation is pretty good as well and like i said they might be just a just distribution center but everything's here in la so it's pretty cool that they're so close by and you don't have to mail order anything um at least i don't i guess i should qualify that Another thing, some tech tips. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give you a quick DIY hack. I I wanted to do that every week. I forget if I did. I I didn't do that last week. Jason was our guest last week. And after our interview, I asked him if he had any tips for DIY and any, like, garage hacks or anything like that. He said to measure once and cut twice. And I think that's great advice. Um... There's an old adage to measure twice, cut once, so that you don't waste uh, a lot of supplies making a bunch of mistakes. But uh, I think his is pretty good. You know, you, you learn by making mistakes. So measure once, cut twice, um, waste a bunch of materials. It'll teach you to be very, very accurate the next time around. And, you you know, you'll, you'll value what you have and you'll value your tape and your measuring devices after that. So I think that's some really, really good advice. Scott? You know, I asked him in our interview and you heard him say, make it yours, do it yourself. I'm sure the stock is for square guys would be happy about that. Make it yours. Um, I think that's their catchphrase. Um, But he said, you know, do what do you do? What's yours? You know, make stuff uh, a part of you and don't try to do what everybody else is doing. And that'll help you with whatever you're doing, whether, you know, it's artwork or building or learning a new skill. Sometimes you just got to do it your way. You know what I mean? So when I took a welding class a long time ago, um, I had already known how to weld. I didn't know how to gas weld. So learning how to gas weld was pretty rad. And just watching the guy next to me just like blast uh, sparks and everything all over me because he was just blowing his metal to shit. Um, And I kind of did it my way, which was kind of finesse. So, I mean, just do everything your own way. You know what I mean? Um, My DIY hack... tip for you this week. I think my last one was get a table, you know, start with any table, whether it's large or small. I said, you know, before I built a Datsun 510 engine in my, my bedroom before I had a garage and you know, if you're, especially if you're an artist or stuff, this stuff is easy to kind of make mobile. And, and so that's really nice. It's easy to move stuff around. And, and even if you are not an artist, if you're trying to build stuff, you know, rebuilding your carb, rebuilding, uh, you know, putting a tire on or something like that, you can always do it in uh, a small workspace. You don't necessarily need a nice huge shop and, or even or a nice huge garage. So as long as you have a little table somewhere now, that was my tip from the last time. This time it's going to be to cover your table. What I do is I keep on hand, if you if you go to move that you can buy from like U-Haul or any, any place like that that sells moving supplies, you know, they'll sell you um, like bubble wrap and boxes and all these specialty things. But the, one of the coolest things is these big sheets of paper. I usually, they're not a roll, but you can probably buy a roll of paper. They're just these huge... Uh, pre-cut sheets that are for wrapping plates and pictures and all this sort of stuff. I'm not hundred percent sure how, excuse me, how big they are, but they're at least two feet wide. And I think they're probably a foot and a half tall. So, um, you know, they're pretty sizable. Now, what I do is I lay that on my table my workbench and so when i'm working on something whether it's small parts or something like that they don't fall onto a metal colored workbench since my workbench is has a metal top if i were to drop something metal on it it's kind of hard to see unless it's uh you know stands out but you got like a raw screw or a washer or even a little spring you lose it so i i cover my my paper and tape uh my table and paper and i also cover my paper and table depending on how you look at it if you're from australia i guess that's what it looks like so at any rate you know that's one tip i have just because it kind of makes a cleaner work surface too if you have dust or metal shavings or all that crap all over the your bench and it gets stuck to maybe you're rebuilding a carb or you're putting bearing grease on something and all of a sudden you got like a bunch of dirt and stuff and your grease sucks so i just lay down a big stack of papers i work on it And then when I'm done for the day, I crumple that one up and throw it in the fire pit. That way, not only are you you uh, reusing the paper, you're also keeping your work area clean you're also not losing little parts that, and you're also not contaminating it for next time so if you're you could be grinding you could be doing anything oh, I wouldn't grind because that'll catch the paper on fire um, and don't braise or, or weld on it because that'll probably catch it on fire too but what I'm saying is if you're sanding or um, maybe filing some stuff it's really 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 nifty to be able to just wad all that trash up and throw it away even if you're working with like resin or oil and it leaks through that's fine because it's not going to ruin the integrity of the of the paper unless you like get it sopping wet and it sits there and ruins all your paper. But at any at any rate, um it's a really really nifty hack to keep your work area clean and to make your work area reusable, I guess, and and uncontaminated for your next project. The other cool thing that I do with the papers is I tend to write stuff down when I when I, when I was rebuilding my bike I wrote a bunch of stuff that it needed. I need to fix the kickstand. I need to do, uh, you know, rebuild the forks. I need to do this, need to do that. Uh, I wrote all this crap down And then as I went I just marked it off And it was it's a really good way You don't have to have a whiteboard Or like keep notes on your phone Or anything like that You have them right there Where you're working As you accomplish it You can check it off If you notice If you ever watch the show Roadkill You'll notice they have a big piece of cardboard That they write it on And that also comes in handy Because then you can lay on the cardboard When you're underneath the car So yeah that's my That's my hack for the week And like I said I'm just going to be looking at Parts porn for the rest of the week So I hope you have a good Labor Day. Uh, Everybody take it easy. And that's it for the Ride Report this week. See you later. I'd like to say thanks to Casper, Steen, and Emil from Denmark for liking some stuff on our page. That just means that we're reaching people across the pond, as well as the people that we've already known we've been reaching in Germany and Australia and Canada and Denmark and all that great stuff already. So, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, guys, for checking us out. Um, Next week, we're going to talk about some the BMW carbon fiber frames that are coming out we'll probably be talking about the R9T scrambler since they just said they they released a press release today saying they're going to actually put out some pricing now that it's been on the web forever without that and we'll probably talk about the Kimco 650 so if you're cool with that if you're cool with just hanging on till next week to hear about all that then then do it and if you're not then go back and listen to a bunch of episodes every single day pick a different episode and uh By the time next Friday comes around, you'll hear a new one. All right, thanks. Peace out. Oh, we have, uh, before I go, actually, this is pretty important. I'd like you to leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks, Johnny Dum Dum, for leaving us a review. Um, I think we only have one review. So that means everybody that could leave us a review that likes the show isn't. And it'd be cool if you did. Just saying. Thanks for all the positive messages, emails, and feedbacks. If you want to check us out, you can email the show, creative writing podcast at gmail.com, creative writing podcast at gmail.com. Look us up on Tumblr, creative writing.tumblr.com, or on the web, creative writing.com. And as always, we've got the Facebooks and all that great stuff and the Twitters at creative underscore writer on Twitter. Check us out. Check out our friends, you know, Daily Bikers, the WIR Top Ten Group, uh, Mark Dugali. Anybody that's been on the show that you want to check out, go go for it and encourage them to keep doing the cool stuff that they're doing. And then anybody that hasn't been on the show, tell them, hey, you want to be on this the show? You want to embarrass yourself? <laughs> go ahead and do it. So. Yeah, I'd like you to ch- check us out if you can. And uh, the main reason I want you to check us out is so that you can send in catchphrases. I need catchphrases, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna give up all that like Wango Tango trying to rhyme stuff because there's only so much stuff that rhymes. I kind of wanted to use the word orange, and as I found out, nothing rhymes with orange, right? So at any rate, please send us some catchphrases. Um, that was my email dinging because I just got a sweet one. Uh, this is from. Paul from Hungary, and uh, it says, "Keep your bike on the street and your pants in the seat." Thanks, Paul. All right, peace. Creative writing and its associate producers, all producers, people in the mailroom, people working the computers, sound man, uh, ad man, everybody here, everybody here uh, would like to say sorry to the following people: Sudco. We are sorry. The city of Compton, we're sorry. And let's just go ahead and throw a sorry to Monterey Park and Industry. Industry Expo Center, we are sorry. Harbor Freight, we're sorry. Bell Helmets, we are sorry. Jesse James and Chico's Custom Choppers, we are sorry. Revival Cycles and Buell Motorcycles, we're sorry. We're not going to tell you, well, we're sorry for both of you. One because of the other. Yamaha, we are sorry. Harley Davidson and Scully, we are sorry. California Highway Patrol, we are sorry. Lane Splitting, we're sorry. Dead Horses and Dead Sticks, we're sorry. Long Beach Swap Meet, I am sorry. 59 Cafe, we're sorry. Anybody on Facebook, we're sorry. Venice Vintage Motorcycle Club and the Venice Vintage Motorcycle Rally, we are sorry. Cretans Clubhouse and MotoGP, we are Sorry. Skinny jeans, vans, and Instagrams. We are sorry. And the biggest apologies go out to Scott from Noise Cycles. Thank you so much for wasting some perfectly good time hanging out with us and chatting while you had better things to do, like, you know, race, bike, prep. They also have a mis... vintage vint miss Venice vintage pinup contest from noise cycles was, was racing. and that's uh, the same bike that he was talking about so then I says to the mouse uh, or, or right around the 17th i believe i've always like um but anyway so yeah i just i don't know for what it, for what it's worth again i love saying that phrase apparently they're called the rattler is it called the rattler i'm going to be really embarrassed if it's called the sidewinder oh my god it is probably called the Sidewinder. His name is Scott, and I got a little interview with him, so I'll play that first before we get to the flat track action.
1: Yeah, that's why I moved here.
0: <laughs> the race of. J- gentlemen, the race of j- 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 The race of Jujut. Hi, <laughs> my name is Billy Bob. All right, All right picking up good.